Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Justice. It's about time some comes around. We finally have some people pushing back in the sports culture war, and finally... Maybe the saddest video we've ever played. 
All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. Democrats calling A.G. Barr out today stand in front of us and answer some questions. And, well, this is about to get really interesting, and it's about to get really interesting for a couple different reasons. One, this process has obviously been politicized from the beginning, but as we get closer and closer to Election Day, now, I don't know if you've noticed, everything is hyper, hyper politicized. So that's one. Two, A.G. Barr. He's in a difficult position, a very difficult position. Now, don't cry for him. I don't feel bad for him. That's his job. You're the attorney general. You go in there, get the job done. But here's his position. You're elected to obviously take over, well, elected, appointed by Trump to obviously take over this thing. He appoints Durham. Durham is, by all accounts, a bulldog of an investigator, and he's going to dig into what the FBI did. What the DOJ did. We need to know who did what wrong during this Russia hoax, collusion, bunch of crap that took place under President Barack Obama, we should point out. But Barr has everybody around him dragging their feet. And Barr, I don't want to accuse him of dragging his feet because I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I only went to community college. But here's what I do know. It doesn't seem like he's moving very fast. And I don't know about you, my watch tells me it's July 28th. So let me see, carry the one. That's, uh, that's less than 100 days until the election. And you do understand, right? You do understand what happens if Donald Trump loses the election. Not that I want it to happen. Not that I think it's going to. I don't think anybody knows. He's down in every pool. Dead heat in Texas. It's a bad sign. If Donald Trump loses this election, and he easily could, don't write me your angry emails telling me he can't. He easily could. This investigation is going to disappear. And just like that, there's no justice again. Now, normally, I would say, well, that's the way the game's played. I guess guess we're just not going to have justice again. Bunch of scumbags, and I'd come on here, and I'd blow a gasket, and then we'd all move on and do our thing. But... What I'm worried about is that Barr doesn't realize, the people around him don't realize, the politicians don't realize what exactly is happening in America as far as the status of American fabric. What I mean by American fabric, obviously, is the the things that are holding us all together. I think when you're in Washington, D.C., and you're surrounded by all that power and all that money, you get convinced that everything is fine. I'll never forget a trip I took to D.C. once back when I was running for Congress twice and lost twice, not to brag. But I went back there, and it was right in the middle of the recession. And you remember what that recession was like. You're driving down the road, and you see little strip malls that all of a sudden are all empty, and things suck, and unemployment's bad, and you're really seeing it across the country. Man, everywhere I go, it looks so bad here. Took a trip into Washington, D.C., And they were building up brand new, beautiful buildings, brand new roads. It felt like you just landed in a big pile of money. So people in D.C., even people who try to do the right thing, they're so surrounded by money and success. It's just this huge bubble, so you don't know what's happening. My concern is that Barr and the people around him do not know that the American fabric is being torn apart right now. We are, by any account... 
on the downhill slide majorly as a nation. I don't know whether or not that continues. I will tell you, as a history fan, history says it's going to continue fast. But I'm not going to doom us to that. So I don't know if it continues or not, but I know we are heading this direction and we are heading this direction quickly. And part of the reason we're heading this direction quickly is how hyper-politicized the justice system has become. That is a major, major deal. When people start to lose faith, any faith in the justice system, your country's all but gone already and they're losing faith. And when I say lose faith, I don't mean the normal scumbag criminal line you hear from the guy that's in jail, been in prison his whole life. I I got screwed by the judge. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about law-abiding citizens, normal, average, law-abiding people like you and me. Well, okay, you, not so much me. But you understand what I'm talking about. When you start to question, do we even have a justice system around here? That is a major deal. That is not a small thing. That's a major deal. Because things come after that. You lose faith. You lose faith in the cops. You lose faith in the judges. You lose faith in the DAs. You lose faith in the politicians. And you begin to rebel. Softly, of course. We're not talking about grabbing a musket and marching down to the Capitol or anything like that. No. But you just begin to do these little things that show... I don't exist in that world anymore because that world's scummy. I'm moving away from it. And we have people moving away already rapidly. Look across the country. What have you seen? Three months now. Three, four months now. What have you seen? Well, we, uh, we arrested a pastor for having a church service. We arrested a man paddleboarding in the ocean all by himself. We arrested a lady for opening up her hair salon, just trying to snip some hair. But... Then we turned around and we had 9,000 funerals for St. George Floyd. We let people just flood the streets by the thousands, looting, rioting, burning. Remember, cities like St. Louis and others, New York City, they emptied the jail. It's not just, oh, we'll try to track them down. It was, oh, we got them, but you know what? Just go ahead and go home. Wait, what? We have right now, I'm sure you've seen the news, Portland, Seattle, Protesters are taking control of portions of these cities. As we speak, in Portland, we have federal troops, federal law enforcement agents, I should call them, guarding federal buildings, and they have bombs being thrown at them. Now, that's one thing for Portland, but the rest of the country is watching that and thinking, I mean, nobody's going to do anything about that? You, you can't have a church service in Florida, but... You can throw things at federal agents? Nobody's going to do anything about that? You see what I mean? It's already starting to creep in. Do we have a legal system? Do we have a fair legal system? Or do we simply have a be in power and you won't get prosecuted or be out of power and you will get prosecuted system? Because that sure seems to me like the system we're living under now. Bringing me all the way back to Barr in this Russia investigation. How this turns out is a very big deal. This, if... It turns out to be true what we think is true right now. If under President Barack Obama, with his guidance or in the very least his permission, if the Federal Bureau of Investigation knowingly took bad information to the FISA court to get permission to spy on an American citizen, not only an American citizen, but spy on an opponent 
of a sitting president, that is by far the biggest political scandal by a mile this country has ever seen. And people know it. You know it. I know it. So if at the end of all this, it's the normal Washington thing that I know you're expecting, that I'm expecting, well, I mean, what time? Let's get that intern out here. We'll give him 15 days in jail. <laughs> That's it. Justice is done. That's not going to work anymore. That's not going to work for me. That's not going to work for you. Somebody besides Republicans better start burning in this country for doing wrong or don't expect me to do right. Sorry. Here's Jim Jordan. Spying. That one word. That's why they're after you, Mr. Attorney General. 15 months ago, April 10th, 2019, in a Senate hearing, you said this sentence, quote, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. Spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It sure is. And since that day, since that day, when you had the courage to state the truth, they attack you. They've been attacking you every since, every day, every week, for simply stating the truth that the Obama-Biden administration <laughs> spied on the Trump campaign. A big deal. You see the president of the United States, a congressman, a senator, you don't get to take the federal law enforcement arm and make them your political prop, make them your political weapon. That is East Germany stuff. That's Soviet Union stuff. We don't. We don't do that here. And if it was done here and the people who did it got away with it scot-free, then it will be done again. That's a fact. That is a fact. Here's Barr. What I've been trying to do is restore the rule of law. And the rule of law is, at essence, that we have one rule for everybody. If you apply yeah. one rule to A, the same rule applies to B. And I felt we didn't have that uh, previously at the department. We had strayed. And uh, I would just ask people, to, uh, I'm, I'm supposedly uh, punishing the president's enemies and helping his friends. What enemies have I indicted? Who, who, could you point to one indictment that has been under the department that you feel is, is unmerited, that you feel violates the rule of law? One indictment. Now, you say I helped the president's friends. The, the cases that are cited, the Stone case and the Flynn case, are both cases where I determined uh, that some intervention was necessary to rectify the rule of law, to make sure people are treated the same. Yeah, but that's my problem. Who's he indicted? I'm happy, you know, about Flintstone. Woo, it's good, but who's gone to jail? Who's been indicted? And again, I don't want to point it out, but it's July 28th. We have an election coming up in early November. These indictments come down before then, or this whole thing goes bye-bye. All that may make you uncomfortable, but I am right. All right. We got a big show. Hang on. What's our common bond as a nation? I mean that straight up. What is the common bond we have? Now, I want you to be careful about something. Don't give me the common bond you want us to have. The common bond we used to have. 
right now as a country, what is a common bond between the left and the right, the two major political parties? Can you name me one? Can you name me one? I don't think you can. Now, I have a second question for you. If you can't, why are we still doing this? What is a nation? I mean, maybe we should start there. What is a nation? A nation is a group of people, simply a a tribe expanded, if you will, a group of people who come together for the protection of coming together and the prosperity that comes with coming together. And they've decided we should live together. We should live, work, and worship around each other because we have some common bond. We have something that unites us. And if your nation isn't that, then it's not a nation anymore. Now it's something, basically a cage you've been thrown into together. If I go home every single night and my wife feels the opposite about every single thing that I do, what kind of living environment is that? Why would we still be doing that? Why are we doing this as a country? Are we a country now? Or are we some hyper-politicized, hyper-balkanized place where we're just destined to be at each other's throats until we finally wake up, grow up, and admit, okay, we either got to get over it or we can't do this anymore. A nation is only a nation if you share a common bond of some kind. doesn't have to be everything and wouldn't be everything. I'm not saying that. I don't need everybody in the country to think like me. <laughs> Probably would be good if, everybody, if nobody else thought like me. But we have to agree on something, right? We have to agree on basics, don't we? Like prosperity. If I want us to be prosperous and you don't, well, that's kind of a big deal, right? If I want this country to go to church, believe in God, and you want every church burnt to the ground, that's a problem, isn't it? If I think babies should be protected and treasured, and you want them all killed, well, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And it's time to accept just how insane the leftists have gone. Now, I'm going to bring up a quote from AOC here in just a second. Not quite yet. And I know what you're thinking. This lady's an idiot. Why do we talk about her? Why do we listen to her? She is an idiot. But that's not the important part. The important part is she repeats the things she's being told from the Democrat base, from Democrat donors. When AOC speaks, you need to pay attention a lot more often than you do. Because what she is, is somebody who talks way too much and gives away way too much about leftist thinking and the leftist agenda. And I want you to listen to this when I read this to you. And I want you to ask yourself, what common bond do you have with this person? Quote, whether through recruitment stations in their lunchrooms or now through esports teams, children in low-income communities are persistently targeted for enlistment. In many public high schools where military recruiters have a daily presence, there is not even a counselor. As a result, the military stops feeling like a choice and starts feeling like the only option for many young Americans. And that is not the first time she's spoken out against military recruitment. 
are we now anti-military? And the reason I bring this up is I've had more than one leftist challenge me on something. I'm about to talk about sports and the kneeling for the anthem, and we finally have somebody who's standing up against it. I'll get to that in a second. And I'm ranting and raving, as you've heard me do a million times, about sports. I don't want sports politicized. Sports is where we sit all that aside. We all come together. That's, that's what sports should be. And a leftist will inevitably tell me, what are you talking about? The right has been politicizing sports forever. That's why they sing the anthem. I'm sorry? The anthem isn't political. That's part of the point of the anthem. The anthem is one of the things that binds us together. Left, right, whatever we believe, we can come together and at least respect the fact we're America. And it's pretty freaking cool here. But again, I asked, like I asked in the beginning, if we don't share that, what do we share? And they'll inevitably just parrot AOC's line right after that. Oh, and don't tell me it's not politicized. They honor the military. Um, is the military only for Republicans now? If that's where we are, where the flag and the anthem and the United States military are only for half the country, then we don't have a common bond. And look, I don't love saying that. I'm not thrilled about that at all. I love this place, but... I don't think we do. But finally, by the grace of God, we had a Pittsburgh Steeler who boldly, like a man, take notes, Drew Brees, boldly, like a man, stood up and said, um, I'm not going to be kneeling for the flag. And he said it emphatically. This is what he said. Quote, also, I'm not kneeling for the flag and screw anybody who has a problem with that. My grandmother was an immigrant from the Caribbean and, and worked her blank off to bring 20 people over the right way. She had no money and educated herself to be a, a nurse. She's living good now. That is uh, Stephen Tuitt for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good for him. And by the way, you, all you athletes, and yes, I do hear from you. I get your messages about how you wish you could speak out, you're going to lose this. You wish you could speak out, but this will happen to you. Understand, this country is ready to throw itself behind you. If you are in pop culture and you stand up and say, not only do I honor the flag, screw anybody who has a problem with it, that's called bold. That's leadership. The country is pining for it. You're worried about the backlash you're going to get? What you should be worried about is the fact you're going to have to deal with being an American hero. We are so starved for people who are willing and able to stand up and say enough is enough. Screw you, leftists, that we'll throw ourselves behind anyone at this point in time. Good for this guy. Good for him. Maybe we ought to elect Mike Dicka. Well, if it was up to me, I'd say no. If you can't respect our national anthem, get the hell out of the country. Then that's the way I feel. Of course, I'm old-fashioned, so I'm, I'm only going to say what I feel. Uh, I think there's a way that you you protest, and there's a way you don't protest. You don't protest against the flag, and you don't protest against this country who's given you the opportunity to make a living playing a sport that uh, you never thought would would happen. He's right. You know what's really sad, though? That that way of thinking is old-fashioned. I don't ever do this thing because I hate this. Uh, back in my day, things were always better back in my day, but 
Maybe I should more often. I hope he's wrong there. I hope that thinking isn't old-fashioned. That's just being a citizen of any nation, of any nation. We have a real sickness in this country. I don't know how we allowed it to get to the point it's at now where we've allowed half this country to hate it. But I know that story only ends one way, and we better get it fixed quickly. All right. You realize how much information of yours is out there online, right? You probably don't. You need to start, and you need to start right now. The truth is simply this. Your information is exposed. If you use the Internet, and don't lie, I know you use the Internet, your information is out there. And I'm not just talking about a criminal background. I'm talking about your personal information. You know how easy it is for these people to type it out and get it? Really easy. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I don't know what's out there. Well, good news, I have a place you can go find out. Go to getthetruthnow.com. That's getthetruthnow.com. Find out how much of your information is exposed. And while you're there, doesn't hurt to look up the babysitter, the neighbor, that high school tutor. Go ahead. Go check it out. Find out what you need to know. We'll be back. Joining me now from BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards. Cam, A.G. Barr is giving this testimony. He's, he's, he's on TV a lot. I'm hearing a lot of going to do this, might do that. I hope he does this. Cam, it's less than 100 days until the election, and if Donald Trump loses, this entire investigation goes away. What in the world is taking so long? That's a uh, great question. And I, I, you know, I suspect that um, what we're probably going to see here are the results of the investigation come out before the election. But then, as you say, any actual prosecution, well, that's going to take some time, isn't it? Uh, and if Joe Biden were to win in November, you can bet one of the first uh, moves that he would make would be to stop uh, any sort of prosecution that might come from the Durham probe. Cam, I view that as not a small thing, not Washington as usual, but a major deal. Now, don't get me wrong, it is Washington as usual, but I think with the view of the American public right now, of what they think, what they think of our justice system, of how they think the law has been applied across the country, coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, all this stuff, I think this is a lot bigger deal than people in Washington think it is. Am I wrong? You know, for those who are paying attention, I think it is a big deal. Uh, and I, I think, unfortunately, right now, a lot of Americans simply are not paying attention to the Durham probe. Now, that could change depending on, uh, you know, what the uh, investigation actually concludes. And if charges are recommended, all of a sudden it's going to become a much bigger story. Uh, and you're right. Look, the American people, I think fundamentally, Jesse, one of the things that is bothering the American people so much is the clear double standard that's being applied, right? The rules are different whether you are on the left or on the right. Uh, and I think a lot of Americans, frankly, look, let's, let's just have one set of rules. I might not like all of the rules, but I want one freaking set that we both play by. Uh, and this is, as you say, setting up a situation where it's going to be clear that the double standard is at work, Democrats are in control, and all of a sudden uh, they're not so interested in getting to the bottom of some of these things. All of a sudden it's not about good government now, it's about Moving on. Maybe moveon.org will get back to its original mission statement, Jesse, and, and encourage us to move on from the Durham probe. Cam, 
so now we have let's let's assume Trump loses. I'm not assuming that, but just for the sake of this argument, let's assume he loses. So we now have the Democrats so entrenched in the media, in Washington, D.C., the federal bureaucracy, Hollywood, everything else. They're so entrenched that a Republican president can get elected and have this huge millstone around his neck the entire time. Investigations created out of thin air. Then they can destroy his whole four-year presidency. He gets bounced out of office and then just none of the wrongdoing gets held to account at all. That is that's not a country anymore, Cam. That's certainly not a country I want to live in. Well, and I think you can go even further because I think that, uh, you know, you've left out the abolishing of the filibuster in the Senate, which I think is going to happen if Democrats take control. Uh, I'm not ruling out court packing. You know, Joe Biden has even talked about adding seats onto the Supreme Court so Democrats can have their guaranteed majority. Uh, you know, I, I think we are at one of those moments in history where, again, both sides feel like democracy is doomed if the other side wins, right? And so you've got the left comparing Donald Trump to a fascist and he's uh, Adolf Hitler. But then you look at what Democrats have actually said they would do if they have the majority. And what they're talking about really uh, is the destruction of a lot of these institutional norms uh, and rules and frankly, some of the institutions themselves, right? I mean, look how eager they are to go after the electoral college. Uh, this is, you know, the Democrat party I think is at a moment where it's not about reform for many of them, it's about revolution. Uh, if they can do it peacefully, okay, they can do it violently. We've seen what they wanna do in Portland, uh, but it's not about reforming these institutions. It's about burning them to the ground and then building on the ashes. Okay, the, how does that story end though, Cam? Can they reform themselves? Because believe it or not, as much as I hate Democrats, I actually wish the party was relatively normal because I get so mad at the GOP sometime. I'd happily vote for Democrats, but not this party. Does, is this just a brief blip where they're swinging way too hard left and they wake up and come back? Or is this just what they are now? I think it's what they are for right now. Uh, and I'm with you, Jesse. Listen, I would love to be able to go into the ballot booth, you know, on election day and actually struggle to make my choice because, gosh, man, there are two really good candidates here. I'm not sure which one I want. Wouldn't that be amazing in a nation of oh, 350 man. million people if we actually found, you know, like two candidates that uh, was a tough choice between the two of them? But, I, you know, I, we didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get away from this overnight. Uh, there is, uh, you ask what, what happens next. I think pain and misery for the American people uh, is basically what happens next if Democrats get complete control of the federal government in terms of the, you know, the executive, the judiciary, and the legislative branches. Uh, I don't think that will end well. I don't think it's something that this country will quickly recover from. I don't think it makes conservatism up and disappear overnight. Uh, but it, it certainly, look, it gives me real concern about, uh, you know, how we get back to that place of normalcy and if getting back there is even possible. Cam, what's a common bond we have as Americans now? Name me one. Bacon? Not sure. Um, I mean, bacon's pretty good, right? Got? It's up there. I don't know. It's, it's up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, and the, reason, the reason I ask is it's simply this. You have to share something it doesn't have to be everything that would be ridiculous of course you could have different people with different views and things like that but as a nation if you're all going to stay within this border then you better share something because if you don't share anything then it's not a border anymore it's a cage fight that they've locked you in now i'm asking again with the exception of bacon 
What is a single common bond that we share? One. You know, I, I think that the bond, it may be theoretical at this point, but you do still hear the left and the right talk about things like freedom and equality and justice. Now, those things might mean very different things if you're on the left or on the right, but we still talk about those ideas, right? Is that enough to keep us together? Mm, I don't know, especially if we're not actually able to talk about those ideas because we're shouting each other down or we're trying to cancel somebody if we disagree with them. I mean, it makes it really tough, right, to... To, to, to find that common ground because we're we're fighting over that ground right now. Um, so, I, you know, again, long-term, Jesse, I don't know if that's enough, but uh, I know that it's worth fighting for this country that uh, you and I were born into, this country that I know that we'd like to leave to our children. Uh, it is worth fighting for, and it is worth arguing over, and it is worth trying, as you say, to, uh, you know, to, to reach out and engage those folks who are willing to have that conversation. Unfortunately, I think fewer and fewer folks on the other side of the aisle actually want to talk at all. Okay, well, that's a little doom and gloom. Cam, tell me how you make bacon at home. I know you probably make your own <laughs> on the farm out there. Tell me how to make it. Break it down for me. All right, we'll start. You, you want to buy a couple of pigs, right? And then you want to raise them in your yard for a few months, let them get as much fresh grass as possible. Uh, and then once they get to, we let ours get to about 250, 300 pounds. Uh, that's Jeez, when you process wait, them. wait, 250, 300 pounds? For real? Are you messing with me? Yeah. No, that's about that's about what we let them get to. I mean, okay, I've got go friends ahead, that let them get bigger than that. But all right, so once you've got your, your pork belly, right? That's what you want to start with. Uh, you want to give it a nice rub. You can find all different kinds of recipes, uh, but you want to leave that uh, to brine for mm, at least a couple of weeks. We usually let ours go for about a month or so. Just let it soak in all that goodness. Uh, and then we just put it in the smoker, man. And you can eat that bacon straight from the smoker. Just make sure it gets up to an internal temperature of 140 degrees. There is nothing like bacon that has been pulled straight from the smoker. You don't put it in the frying pan. You don't put it in the oven. It's just meat candy. Jesse, it is oh. the best thing on earth. Do you ever do like the maple honey butter thing I've seen people do on like the barbecue shows? They rub it with that or something? We keep ours pretty simple. Uh, and, and really, I mean, we don't want to let anything distract from the, the natural juicy goodness. So no, we don't need to do a lot of that. A little bit of brown sugar, maybe a little bit of cinnamon in the, uh, in, in the rub that you put on, but you don't need to get too crazy. All right, Cam, lastly, not that I would ever accuse you of being a man who owns firearms, never in a million years, <laughs> but as far as a firearm, if you would ever choose to own one and you wanted one in your vehicle because, well, people were assaulting vehicles, what would you have? Yeah, you know, uh, carbines have actually become more popular choices over the last couple of years, pistol caliber carbines in particular. But, uh, you know, I still think if you're looking at something that's uh, primarily going to be in your vehicle, you want a handgun. Uh, and for that, you know, I always say, if you can, go to a range, rent some firearms. The best gun is the one that feels right to you. So I could recommend, you know, getting a Glock or I could recommend a, a SIG P365. But ultimately, I think it's going to be up to the the gun owner themselves to, to try out a few firearms, see what, what really feels comfortable to them. Uh, and then I will say this, Jesse, don't leave your gun in your car. All right. That, that's a big problem right now. You've got people breaking into vehicles, stealing guns. Don't do that. Uh, make sure, you know, if you've got your gun in your car, take it in with you at night when you get to your house. Uh, don't just leave it there as a target for thieves. 
CamEdwardsBearingArms.com. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Always good talking with you, Jesse. See you soon. Now, Cam talked about somebody breaking in your car and stealing something. Well, that's a problem, right? I mean, you lock your car doors, don't you? So if you lock your car doors, I'm assuming you also lock the doors of your home, especially at night. Of course, right? Well, why would you do that and not go to home title lock and lock up your home title? It's just as vulnerable, and it can cost you a heck of a lot more than a pistol costs you. These cyber criminals, they go get your home title, which is digital now. It's all online. They get your, they get your title. They get your signature on your title. They get a loan out against it, and you have to pay that back. And if you don't, or if things go wrong, or you think it's junk mail, you get evicted from your home. I'm not making that up. That's happening right now. The FBI is gravely concerned about this crime and it's sweeping the nation. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JESSE when you go. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Joining me now is the founder and managing editor of The Hollywood Conservative, Amanda Head. Amanda, I think conservatives actually should pay more attention to AOC than they do. Not because, obviously, she's some great thinker, but because I think she's so dumb, she actually says the things Democrats are trying to keep quiet. I honestly think we should have paid more attention to her before because who knows what her bartending skills entail. Maybe she was an amazing mixologist. But the things that she say, here's the unfortunate thing. They become mainstream news, at least on our side of the aisle, because they are so incredibly dumb. She doesn't seem to understand the inner workings of government. She doesn't seem to understand what her position is. And now, out of ignorance, she's literally dragging her party all the way to the left. It's like she says something stupid that, in, you know, five years ago even, everybody in Washington would say, excuse me, young lady, that's not how this works. But because the left is so desperate to get votes and to win this election and to bring over certain people, the far left faction of the left, they're like, okay, cool, sounds good. It doesn't fit in our constitution or bill of rights, but that's fine. Would you ever bartend? Did you ever bartend? I never did, and I've always seen that movie Cocktail with Tom Cruise, and I always thought it would be cool to like flip the bottles around and stuff like that. I, I have bartended on occasion back during my days when I lived in Hollywood and I, just, I was kind of picking up random jobs here and there, but I never, I made sure that I never got really good at it because I didn't want it to be a clear career path for me. So the whole like shaking and throwing bottles and stuff like that, oh. yeah, no, I, I, that's definitely not on my resume. <laughs> I want to do one of those ones, especially like the spinny thing where he has it in his hands. He just, well, that's another story. Oh, entirely. yeah. All right. Amanda, sports. I have made this argument repeatedly that I think sports being politicized is a much bigger deal than people think. Not because I give a crap about sports for the most part. I used to only watch football. Now I'm not going to watch that anymore. But because it completely eliminates virtually the last common bond we have as a country. The last thing that we could all come together on. Am I over-dramatizing that? No, and I'll, I'll tell you a little anecdotal story. You know, I grew up in Alabama, so Auburn, Alabama, intense, intense, heated, sometimes violent rivalry. Uh, growing up in Alabama, I always said that I could never marry a Bama fan 
But since I've moved to California, anytime I see a Bama fan, I feel like this kindred spirit with them, this, these like warm, fuzzy feelings, because I assume, maybe erroneously sometimes, that if they are from the state of Alabama and therefore are a Bama fan, then they likely are on the same side of the aisle with me. So I actually, you know, the unfortunate thing about sports, you had this weekend when the Yankees and the Capitals, every single player knelt. Um, it's not super ironic that the MLB, you scramble around the letters and you get BLM. But of all of the political movements to corrupt sports, why would this be the one, you know, the hill that they die on? Um, it, it's it's a movement that basically stands for anarchy and Marxism, and it is the civil disobedience version of the Cloward-Piven strategy. And if we can't get it out of sports, you know, this is pro sports we're talking. It's in the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, uh, professional women's basketball and soccer, which are not sports, but, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they are sports, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, although, <laughs> although soccer, I think, more appropriately should be categorized under the dramatic arts. Uh, but when it comes to professional sports, you know, I've really been a college sports fan, college football and now college basketball, now that Auburn all of a sudden has a basketball team. Uh, so professional sports, I don't really have any any love lost for them because I was never really following them to begin with. But this is going to cause a backlash. It already has. We already saw it in the NFL with Colin Kaepernick. And it's amazing to me how many people on the Colin Kaepernick side of the aisle have no idea about the, uh, you know, fry them like bacon, what do we want, dead cops, the pigs on Colin Kaepernick's socks. It's amazing to me how many people who support him who don't know about any of that. Do they not know, or are they too scared to actually address it? I, I'm genuinely curious about this, Amanda, whether these athletes... I mean, you're not going to convince me these athletes are all just a bunch of dummies. You know, a lot of these guys have to know the truth, and they're just too scared. Yeah, you've got, uh, was it Mookie Betts, who just signed a 10-year contract for like $260 million. If you're that concerned about the black community being oppressed in America, why don't you give up? I don't know, even 10 million of that, it really wouldn't make a dent to your lifestyle. Ugh, gosh, that's what it is. So you mentioned Alabama and that kinship, and I'll be honest, I travel around a lot, as you know, I run into that same scenario. Are we just simply balkanized now by region? Is that really what we are? We have the South, we have the coasts, and we know how crazy they are. Is that, is that what we've become, and is that unhealthy, or is that a normal thing for a nation? Um, I think to the de the degree that it's happening, actually scratch that. I think that dividing up and, and having certain people reside together, uh, whether it's by region, whether it's by state, look, it, that's basically the, the essence of federalism. Our founding fathers set up states to be laboratories of democracy so that states can try out their own thing. If there's a state like Colorado who wants to legalize shrooms and people in the state of Colorado vote for it, then that's kind of a balkanization of, of shrooms uh, within Colorado. The unfortunate thing that has been tied to that is not having a respect for someone who lives three states over having a different opinion. That's what, that's what is coupled with this, which is the, the dangerous thing, and it is what has been bringing us to this cold civil war for a long time. Because not only do you have people who think differently, but you hate those people for thinking differently, and that's when you get into the dangerous territory. Okay, why is it ramping up in recent years? Or is that just my imagination? Because honestly, Amanda, it feels like it's ramping up. It is ramping up. And unfortunately, I have a very recent example just an hour ago 
uh, a Democrat in the House Intelligence Committee citing what turned out to be a hoax. Um, you have mainstream media who is in the, po the pockets of the Democrat Party. They're basically the propaganda arm of the left. Um, you know, putting out these stories where some evil white supremacist with a swastika tattoo uh, enacted some form of violence on a person of color, and then that turns out to be a hoax, and they never correct it. So they've been sowing these seeds of discord for a long time. What's unfortunate for them is, Jesse, as you know, if it ever came down to it and there was a civil war between the left and the right, pretty sure I know who would win. <laughs> well, that's the thing, Amanda. I'm not so sure anymore. And this is the only reason I say that. Obviously, I know which side is mostly armed. But I think the right has gotten so complacent. I think the right has gotten to this point where they're so obsessed with, understandably so, live and let live. You do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. And that doesn't work when the left is always advancing, always gaining ground. That kind of mentality has gotten us to where we are today, where we've completely lost the culture. You started this Hollywood conservative, and I mean, it perks people's ears up because are there any out there? That's what people think. Yeah, and I, I literally took a screenshot this morning of a guy who uh, I used to sing with. We used to sing uh, and do shows together, and uh, I screenshot this. He posted on Facebook, um, according to Facebook, my friends who like Donald J. Trump are yada, 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 and he lists all of these people uh, who he is friends with who like Donald Trump's page. And he said, please explain to me, I can't understand how you would like him. And I basically pointed out to him in the comments, I said, there are a lot more people than you know who support the president, but they don't say anything precisely because of posts like this. You are literally shaming people for supporting this president. And as far as you know, what, what would happen in a civil war, this is something I've been harping on for a while. Uh, it started out with me harping on people for being, people on our own side for being hypocrites and saying, ah, oh, screw the NFL, screw the NBA, screw Target, whatever the company is, but they're still um, patronizing those companies. You have to start putting your money where your mouth is. And if you are going to be courageous enough to come out and stand against an organization, be courageous enough to drive an extra couple blocks to go to a different store rather than a Target or turn off the TV when the NBA comes on or the, or the you know, NFL. Conservatives have to start putting their money where their mouths are. And it starts with things just like this. And, you know, I've often said to people, you know, we've got to stop being the silent majority. We've got to start speaking out. And that actually seems a little hypocritical for me because I'm five foot one, I'm a hundred pounds wet. And if I go out in a city where I am not able to carry uh, a firearm with me, I'm sorry, but if I'm by myself, I'm not going to put myself in a scenario where I can get hurt or beat up or, you know, any type of risk of life or limb. Uh, the, the fortunate thing is that wisdom is often the better side of valor, so people just have to practice wisdom. Um, but I, I still, Jesse, I guess I'm in disagreement with you because I don't think that our side is going to uh, allow the left to destroy this country. I hope I'm right on November 3rd. I hope you're right, too. Amanda Head, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. We're not quite done. Hang on. I know we normally finish off the show with a funny video, a heartwarming video, but I have to warn you, in case there are children in the room, this might be the most heartbreaking video I've ever played for you on this show. I don't even know that I'll be able to watch again. I've already seen it once. 
Just sit back. Here it is. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. Words. That's happened to me before. Now, I think I was in a little better condition than that young lady was when it happened to me, but I was walking out of the pizza shop. It had actually been an extra long wait. They were busy that night, and I didn't have any money. So it's not as if I could just turn around and replace the pizza. I go walking out of the pizza shop. I even had a couple ranches on top because I'm not a savage. I dip my pizza in ranch. I walk right out the top, wind gust, boom, face down on the sidewalk. I'm not big on emotions. I almost sat down right there on the sidewalk and wept. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint and your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.